Welcome to the Live Explore podcast. If you like what you hear, please hit like and subscribe. Hi, I'm Sean Payne, founder and principal of Live Explore Real Estate and Lifestyle. Today I have with me again, Jeff Main and Isaiah Chass, our founding agent. Thank you guys for joining us. Thanks for having me back. Yeah. Uh, so last week we had an episode where we talked about private money and how to use private money in uh, in real estate transactions. How it can be a benefit, especially with uh, higher interest rates right now. Um, and uh, but uh, we really didn't get a chance to talk about like a little bit more like what what private money is and like where does that money actually come from. And and you as a private money lender, you're not personally putting out this this money, but but you have investors that invest with you for these types of situations. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Oh, yeah. Happy for the opportunity. I think certainly there are times when I'll put my own money out there. Um, there are two different types of investing in private money loans. One is a pool where I have a fund and someone gives me their money based on a prospectus. and I go out and invest it for them and they get a return. The other way, which is what I do and the one I favor, is where it's called fractionalized interest in deeds of trust, where you don't give me any money ever, and I present you with a specific transaction, and when you've asked the right questions or even the wrong questions and you're satisfied, then you give your money to a title company. So with fractionalized interest type funding, you've got much more control, and you know up front, why am I investing in this? Why are they willing to pay me the higher rate? How am I going to get my money back with an exit strategy that you just don't get answers to from a fund? Okay. So those are the two different ways that you can invest in private money lending. And then, of course, it's why would I invest in private money lending? And I think that's where we have a real collective story to tell because the people that have become wealthy in the world have really done it with a strong real estate component in their portfolio. Mm -hmm. So people know real estate is where you can make your money. The question is, what do I do in real estate? You know, do I buy my own home? And there's a number of people that say that's not an investment at all. That's just where you're going to live. And then what kind of investment real estate do I want to invest in? Do I want multifamily or apartments? And there's REITs, you know, real estate investment trust where you can put your money in. So there's a, a wide variety of real estate related investments that you can make. And one of them is private money lending. Mm-hmm. And I think the trend I've seen over the years I've been doing this is even the people that buy real estate, which you should have in your portfolio, eventually they want to slow down, change, maybe travel in their directions, um, and they don't want to manage that real estate anymore. And investing in deeds of trust allows them to get the benefit of the collateral, right? I'm secured by a piece of real estate that I know and believe in, but I'm traveling and I get my mortgage payment paid to me every month when they make their payment. And being the bank is more passive than maintaining or managing your own real estate. Right, right. So, so uh, when these people invest invest with you, what type of people? Who are your investors? Like, I'm assuming they're all walks of life, but I could be wrong. Like, like tell You're me. Absolutely who- right. We've got everybody from the. I've got a little bit of money left over from selling a piece of property to I'm a pension plan and I want the benefits of a mortgage note over the volatility of the stock market and just get paid every month into my pension plan where it's tax deferred. 
Is there like a minimum that someone has to put down or something of that nature? There, there is for several reasons. Uh-huh. One is uh, just the nature of the return on investment, because when you have multiple people investing in a deed of trust, someone else has to service that loan, so to speak. Someone else has to collect the payments, do the tax accounting, and that's often what investors want anyway. They want it to be truly passive. The hardest thing I want to do is go out to my mailbox and get paid. Mm -hmm. So somebody is making a servicing fee for doing all the work that an investor otherwise might have. And so you get these situations where um, an investor is going to invest in a note they don't want to put a lot of money out, maybe $50,000. Okay. Most of what I do is first deeds of trust, which means there's no mortgage ahead right, of me, right. just the property tax. And that's hard to do in California because of the value of the property. Right. So you invest with others. And that's the fractional interest in deed of trust park. So the law says I can have up to 10 in California investors on any one note. Sometimes an investor says, I want to be a $50,000 share of multiple notes so I can diversify my holdings. So there's a lot of reasons to be a smaller investor in a larger note rather than hold the whole note yourself. That's great to know. So, so, so this is a situation where you don't have to have a quarter of a million dollars or something like that to invest that, that depending on the project that if you have $50,000 or something like that, obviously you can invest more if you want, but if you have that, you do have options. You don't just have to go to the stock market. You, you could invest in private money that way. So, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And, and funds might deal with accredited investors where their minimum is more than that. But with the fractional side, we can say, you know, the half of 1%, that is charged for loan servicing off our note rate, still gives you an amazing double digit return on your money. Sure. 50,000 is worth it in that sense. If you were to put in 20,000 minus that servicing fee, the return might be a little less. You'd start to question the viability. Okay. But 50 is a good minimum 50 to start out with. Okay. And there's a good story to tell, I think, between what we all do for a living. Because if you've got an investment property I mean, I, I don't see why anybody would pay all cash for an investment property. You look at the appreciation and that's significant. You look at the rent, even when you balance those things out and then take out the eventual repairs, the taxes and the insurance, your return overall, say at a 5% appreciation rate, is going to be less than on my notes. So why not go buy that half a million dollar house and instead of putting a half a million right. into it, Put a hundred into it, and then take four hundred thousand and put it in notes where you're making thirty five hundred dollars a month in income, right. in addition to the small but there positive cash flow on your rental income property. Sure. While it's paying for itself, exactly. Right. Let it stay break even or slightly better while you use that appreciation because that's the one thing my notes don't have. They don't have that appreciation. I've got amazing cash flow, better than that same investment put into a down payment on a property, but you're not gonna get any appreciation with my notes. You're gonna get amazing income. So do both. Mm. And to your point, if you have positive cash flowing properties, accumulate that cash flow until you can do a note in addition to maintaining that property. Or if you wanna jump into the housing market and you can't afford to buy a property on your own right now, here's a way that, that you can invest in the real estate market, gain capital until you can, 
do until you until you've increased your capital and you can do something, you know, buy a second home or something that way. Here's a here's a vehicle to get you to that point as well that way. So so uh, you've talked about tell what what would your ideal investor be? Is it is that like what what would be like? What do you see? I know you said fifty thousand dollars is kind of like the point where you start seeing a you know a rate of return that's acceptable. Where do you see as kind of like the sweet spot or, or your ideal investor, well, you know, that way. So I, I think it starts with the nature of basically this is an illiquid investment. So you're not going to be able to say next month, hey, I want my money back. This is in a mortgage. People are making their house payment on it. And you have to abide by the duration of that agreement, that promissory note that says it might be a year out before you get your money back. Right. So you have to be willing to invest money that you don't plan on getting back right away. Right. That said, private money, almost by definition, is a place to get short-term financing to get from where I am today to where I want to be. We talked about that in the last episode. We did talk yeah. about that. Yeah. And so it's not a very long commitment. It's not years and years before I get this money back. In fact, a lot of my notes pay off within six months, maybe nine months because they've achieved their objective, they've refinanced and paid us back, they've sold the property for a profit, paid us back, and then you get your home investment back in that situation. And you can decide, do I wanna put it all out there or do I wanna keep some back and put a smaller amount back? Sure, sure, mm -hmm. that, that makes sense. Uh, yeah, so so when, uh, uh, I totally just lost my train of thought real quick. Um, so through this process, uh, when when you have a project, does does that investor do they get to know what the project is, or you just got, do you ask for funds and then you have the discretion of putting toward the project, or are they made aware of of what the project is and exactly what's going on? How does that work now today? The legalities and the practicalities of what I do mean that you know exactly what you're doing okay. before you ever write the check right. to the title company because right. again you never ever give me money, but by the time you're ready to take that step. You've seen the application of the borrower, you've seen their credit, you've seen their income, you've seen their liquidity, you have seen the property, you've got a preliminary title report, you've got an idea of value, and maybe you've got the story. We're gonna buy this thing and we're gonna improve it and here's how we're gonna do that. And oftentimes I'll hold those funds and distribute them back out once that work is done to make sure it's done and done right. But you get all that information and you get a chance to go drive the property if you want. So you've got, Unlike the fund idea we talked about earlier, right. you've got the maximum control over your own money. And I think that's what attracts me and why I've stayed in lending is because you you basically control that real estate by virtue of your mortgage. Mm -hmm. If they don't pay you, that's your collateral and you can take that mortgage and foreclose on it right. and get that property back. Right, right. It's and by so that, no means a blind investment like some of the corporate. Yeah, no. Or like, yeah, exactly. Like a pool investment what you're talking about where, where you have total discretion over this as the investor. You know exactly what, what you're getting into prior to putting your money in. Exactly. So, so. Exactly. And, and the explanation of here's our worst case scenario. This person did promise to pay. They failed in their promise for whatever reason. And now we have to take that property back. Mm -hmm. And here's what we're going to do. We're going to list it with professionals that are going to sell it and you'll get your money back. Or we're going to be at auction and someone else will buy our note. You'll be paid in full and 
someone else will deal with the property. Right. So it's almost like your worst case scenario ends up being more profitable than if you get paid on time. Sure. And I never wanted to get to that right, point right. because we're always aware that our borrowers are our clients also, and we want it to be a win for them. Right. And we counsel them through the process. But if they choose not to pay, then we've got to take the responsibility of making sure our investors are protected. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So it's more not a bad place to be. Right, right. There, there's recourse in case in case uh, you know people don't pay on their note. But that being said, that's a, that's somewhat of a rare situation. You don't experience that. Grateful is yeah. very rare. Right, right, right. So so people do have that. They should be reassured that they have that that avenue to go if if things go bad. But um, that's kind of few and far between that way for the most part. So I, I think one of the things I'm very grateful for is by giving counsel to borrowers and investors, a lot of my borrowers come back to me. Mm-hmm. And so if you're gonna come back, it's because you made your promise and paid me back on time or my investors back on time. And we're confident in going again on another piece of property. Right. And that's got a lot of value out there. Right. There are a number of people that are promising to be private money lenders and you get to close of escrow and say, well, we don't have the money. I'm sorry. We were expecting to get money and we didn't. So you're out of luck. And, and I've been very fortunate that we've built a reputation of if we say we're going to do it, we're going to do it and we do it on time. Right, right. And so that helps the investor too. It just makes for a much more solid, almost grade A um, type of loan within the private money realm so that you don't have as many problems. Sure, sure. No, that's a, a that's that's great. Can you can you think of any other scenarios or, or any other reasons why someone would want to invest with you that way? Well, certainly pension plans are good. I mean, when we've got and we have had situations where maybe somebody buys a piece of property that generates a lot of income and a lender won't refinance them until they've seen that income on the next year's tax return. So it is a one and a half year or a two year hold. That is a perfect hold for a a pension plan that wants to get a 10 and a half percent return on their money into their pension plan regularly. Sure. And there are times, especially with the fix and flip type clients we work with, where that loan is prepaid. And so, again, in a pension plan where you're not paying tax on it in December, it's great to be able to get some upfront payments and and have that working for you within your pension plan on other investments, right? I mean, I can take that interest unpaid, put it into my stock and bond portfolio, so my interest is making interest. Uh, So, Pension plans are are great for the longer term investments. Uh, the shorter term investments, like we say, it could be you're coming out of a property, great you haven't investment. found a replacement property yet, you've got some idle money that you want to invest, and it's a very healthy return. Could you walk through the process of uh, someone coming to you from the initial contact of what they need to do to make that a reality? Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I take what I do very seriously, and I have this whole time. So when someone wants to invest, we always sit down with a face-to-face meeting. Uh, I'm very proud that I never take anybody's capital. It's always given to a title company after we've shown what that transaction is that we're offering them to invest in. And we talk about that in that initial meeting. Here's the kinds of things we do. Here's the geography we do them in. They're within a couple hours drive at the maximum, so you can go see the property if you want and just get them comfortable with the flow. 
comfortable with the idea of a servicing company sending them that check every month and communicating with them about their year-end tax accounting and all the things that they might have to do uh, that basically the borrower is paying for in that little higher interest rate. Mm -hmm. So we go through all that, get them comfortable. And then when I'm contacting them, it's like, yeah, this is kind of what we talked about and here it is. And it's okay to say no Mm -hmm. if if it's the bad time. If it's just, I don't feel comfortable about this, because there's there's a reason my rates are 11 and a quarter. And there's a reason somebody's paying 11 and a quarter and not 3%. Right. And in our previous podcast, we talked about sometimes maybe you've got multiple properties and so a bank doesn't understand it. So there's some very valid reasons why people are willing to pay to get something done. Right. And you want to have that explained up front. Right, right. No, that makes sense. Um, Talking about like the projects, could you give us like examples, just again, like maybe some examples of unusual or cool projects that you've done that you funded through private money in the past that way that just kind of like that people go like, oh, I never even thought I could invest in something like that. Or, or, or I've heard you mention projects in the past that I thought were pretty cool that way. Is there anything you could just talk about that way? Well, that's where I got a lot of fun. Right, right. You know, you, you find those opportunities. I, I think, you know, we talked before about cross collateralization mm-hmm. where a borrower might have multiple properties with equity and they want to use that instead of putting a bunch of money into their project. Because the more money they put in, the smaller the return on investment. So if they can get in with leverage, then they're able to make a higher return on investment. So I've had as many as 10 different properties on one transaction where people were using the equity in their other rental properties to acquire an 11th property and the return on investment. I mean, when you have no money invested, just equity, the return on investment is ridiculous. It's infinite because you don't have any of your own cash in it. Right. So that's the way to go. And I absolutely love securely designing things where people put a minimum of their own cash in as a borrower, uh-huh. secured by other properties to be sure. Right. But it still works out really well. So we've done that where we've helped people buy no money down. Uh, Banks have a certain loan to value maximum that they're willing to loan on. Mm -hmm. They also have a CLTV, combined loan to value, where they won't allow secondary financing past a certain amount, usually 80% if it's at all. Mm -hmm. We'll allow 100% secondary financing. So you imagine a property and now we're seeing more and more property owners in distress they're willing to sell the property, but they've got some equity. How about a person that needs to sell for a half a million dollars? And I'm going to come in for a $350,000 first mortgage. They're willing to carry back their equity in the second mortgage for 150, make some interest income, which increases their proceeds. Sure. And now that buyer has come in with no money down. The seller is secured because they know their property, they're getting interest income, we're secured because we're the first deed of trust. And then we set about doing whatever we're gonna do, like that buyer is gonna put 100,000 into fixing the property up. So now the seller is even more secure with their second mortgage and the property becomes worth more than half a million dollars. It's now worth 750 because you put 100,000 into the right kind of improvements. So structuring transactions that are good for the seller Good for the buyer is what I'd love to do. Right, right. No, that was a great scenario. Hopefully that, that got, uh, if you're listening to this, maybe that got your wheels turning that way about how it can be used that way. Because again, it becomes, it's almost down to, 
everything's regulated, everything's on the up and up, but it comes down to how imaginative you can get with these with some of these deals that way that you can and you're very creative that way so you can figure out ways to make things work while so, still being secure while, while be, still being secure yes, yes and like we talked about in your last program always having that exit strategy as a borrower mm. so you know here's how i'm going to get back out of this with a profit right, right so right. not interested in break even i want to make money on this and if you can show me how then we'll proceed sure and that's that's fun. Yep. No, that's that's it's, again. That's why we had you back here. Is I think that this is a an important uh, investment strategy for people. That if you can think about getting into real estate, investing in real estate, not sure how to start, and think you have the capital to start, this this might be a very viable way. Um, that way, anything else you want us to cover um, regarding um, becoming an, an investor that way. I, I think we talked about pension plans because uh-huh. that's that's sometimes the obvious some doctor or lawyer's pension plan, but self-directed IRAs are often really overlooked. Right. And you can take your IRA and roll it into a self-directed IRA where you've got an accommodator that or a custodian that is managing that for you. So the IRS is fine, you're not directly controlling your money but you are able to invest in what you want. You can own real estate inside of your self-directed IRA. You can own promissory notes, you can own gold, stamps, whatever you wanna do. So it becomes a matter of educating yourself and maximizing your return because you've got more control. You don't just give your money to someone else and hope it works out. You're involved in, here's what I wanna do with my money. And so having an IRA rollover or creating a self-directed IRA from the start is a fantastic way to be able to get this higher interest rate mortgage money back into that IRA and not have to pay tax on it right away. Yeah, that's 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 really interesting. So if someone were to come to you uh, and you were to suggest uh, 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 an IRA like that, can you help them? Do you have resources? Do you have people that that uh, could help them set that up that way? Over the years, I've had uh, several dozen investors that have different um, custodians for their IRAs. And so uh-huh. they're certainly available if you do a, a Google search on it. Okay. But we we know some of the more responsive ones, and we can absolutely help you get that established. So this is just showing my ignorance on the, on the topic that way. So if someone works with like a traditional brokerage, like an Edward Jones or something like that, do they have self-directed IRA products or is this something you have to go to like someone who specifically works with that? So, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to spank Edward Jones because no, I've got oh, I didn't an mean, account there. Sure, too, but I do as well. They will so, only sell you their own products. Right, right. And that's right. Wells Fargo will only give sure. their IRA Wells Fargo products. Sure. So by taking that initiative, to self-direct where I want my money to go, it widely opens up the opportunities to do real estate, right. to trust, whatever it is. Right. I, I think it's just important to know that like, if you go to your financial planner at Edward Jones or, or Wells Fargo, you may not be given this information. So what I'm trying to say is that they may say, say, no, you know, these are the products we have. We don't have anything like that. Just, just so people know that they do exist, you're just going to have to reach outside your current financial planner to, to put something like that in place that way. So. Because they make a fee by selling sure. those investments, and so that's just the way that model works. Right. Even wealth management divisions of major banks will only offer you their wealth right. management products. Right. So, right. to your point, there's a wide variety of things you can do out there 
if you choose to just set that up on your own. Sure, sure. That might be a good podcast in itself to have someone from from a self-directed IRA to come in and talk about like the process and how you transfer it over for the future that way. So be a great idea. Yeah, yeah. No, that's uh, that's mm-hmm. that's really interesting. What uh, you know? What uh, I don't want to put you in like a weird situation, but what would be the benefit of someone like using their IRA over just investing directly with you that way? It, it turns out that there is a fee, small fee by the custodian to get into an investment of any kind okay. and to get out. So if I'm doing a six-month flip for a borrower and I'm only going to be in it for six months, that fee to get in and out erodes my return. Sure. And if I'm only putting 30, 40, 50,000 out there, then my return might be even with the other things I could do in a stock market where I'm not having those fees. Right. When you get into something longer, like a year, nine months, the rate that we charge is high enough that it offsets those fees sure. and you're making an enhanced return that you can't get with the same volatility in the stock market. Okay. And that's, I think, what we offer with the Deeds of Trust is you know if you're a first mortgage and you know you're backed by California real estate you don't have the volatility of stock market. Even when you think things are going well, unbeknownst to you, seven months from now, something happens and my my portfolio drops. With a mortgage, it's a fixed rate right. instrument. So you just get paid every month that same amount. Right, especially with the first mortgage and you have that, re- that recourse, excuse me, that recourse that you talked about. Exactly. That, yeah, uh, okay, yeah. Um, and I don't know if we want to go into it, but like second mortgage is gonna be a little bit more risky, especially as the market drops, potentially someone could could BK and get that that second mortgage wiped away. So I'm assuming that's kind of why you try to, to focus on first mortgages. Well, that I mean, certainly if you can't show that you've got equity in the property sure, to support right, the right, second mortgage, right, right. the bankruptcy can do what they call a cram down and and force you to lose some of your note. Right. The other thing is, even when things go well, sometimes somebody doesn't pay their first mortgage and the second mortgage to stay viable has to keep that current. Right. Just like you have to keep the taxes and the insurance current and maybe demand an impound account for those kinds of things. So I've, I've never been able to justify a high enough rate on the second mortgage for that risk that the borrower would be willing to pay for. Uh-huh. So we pretty much insist on first mortgages. Right. And that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense that way. And this might be a dumb question too, but being that we're going into a market where there very well could be good opportunities, I'm assuming that would make a lot more sense for those clients as well. We're, we're seeing an increase in foreclosure properties. We're seeing, uh, we just recently saw a property that we didn't loan on that was absolutely destroyed. The people were angry that they had to leave. They didn't leave voluntarily. And so they made sure that that house was not even habitable. And somebody is going to have to pay for that cost. So I think you're you're seeing properties are going to come back damaged. People are going to say, you know, I, I just have to sell whatever the reason. There's going to be more properties on the market. And anytime you put a property in the market, you want to put the best face forward. Sure. You guys do that. We need to upgrade the kitchen. We need to upgrade the bathrooms, maybe some floor coverings, whatever it is. That's hard for a homeowner that's in distress to pay for those things. But an investor that wants to come in can anticipate that, maybe borrow that, and then fix that property up so it's maybe worth more 
than it was when that person got in distress and right. had to sell. Right, right, right. Yeah, no. So I mean, all, all in all, there's, there's, it, it's, it's uh, something you have to get your head around with. But it seems like a very uh, good investment vehicle in a lot of situations that way. It's so. been fantastic for myself, for my investors, and I think to your point. This is a starting point, right? It's right. an educational opportunity to learn about deeds of trust as an investment. And then it goes to a face-to-face conversation. Right. You know, give me the horror stories. How does it work? And get educated on the process so you can decide if it's for you or not. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, sounds, uh, again, uh, If uh, is there anything else that, that you would like to cover that we haven't covered? That, that... I, think, I think we've done a good job. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I appreciate the opportunity. If, if someone's an investor and wants to have a conversation with you about potentially investing with you, what's, what's the best way to get a hold of you? You can email me at jmayne, jmayne at sonomaequity.biz. You can call me. I'm here in Petaluma downtown at 707-763-1142. And uh, certainly we cross-refer clients all the time. So call the folks at LiveXplore. Great, great. Well, um, Isaiah, thank you very much for joining us today. Jeff, very much appreciated. Thank you, Jeff. Another really informative uh, uh, podcast. And again, uh, uh, if you're if you're looking for private money or investing in real estate, uh, Jeff Main is a really, really good guy to know. And I encourage you to reach out to him. Uh, Jeff, thank you very much for, for uh, privilege you know, mine. coming back to us and, and talking about this uh, informative podcast and hope to, hope to have you up again in the future. Uh, I'm Sean Payne, founder and principal of Live Explorer Real Estate and Lifestyle. Again, thank you very much for joining us. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please hit like and subscribe so you see our f- future episodes and uh, stay tuned. Thanks, everyone. See you guys next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Jeff. Welcome to the Live Explorer podcast. If you like what you hear, please hit like and subscribe.